welcome to the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance FM 104.4. This is a different show because, uh, unlike most, we don't focus on the new shiny, shiny things for you to buy. Um, we're interested in the value of the stuff we already have. We're also interested in um, repairable uh, design, things that can be used for longer. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. And our monthly community repair events here in London, called Restart Parties, are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter from the Restart Project, and I'll be your host. I'm joined by Dave Pickering, our podcaster storyteller, and by Dave Lukes, a volunteer electronics repairer with the Restart Project. Hi. Um, in this episode, we're going to have a chat with Dave Lukes. Um, I have to call him by, with his last name because we have two Daves with Dave, Dave Lukes, about some recent repairs he's helped with um, over the weekend during one of our restart parties in Hackney. And then we're going to discuss some of the latest electronic news as, as seen through our particular restart lens. And we're going to talk about two quite interesting new devices and mobiles. Um, we, do, we do talk a lot about mobiles, but that's because everybody uses them. Everybody needs them. So um, Dave Lukes is a regular volunteer with the Restart Project. He's a Hackney-based fixer, and he has a day job in IT. He's currently on his lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, tell us about um, some of the this devices and repairs that you did over the weekend in, in Hackney. Okay, in Hackney, we had a Restart party at a primary school, uh, which was interesting, if only for the logistics. Trying to fit into baby chairs was fun. But... Uh, <laughs> What happened was the council were running what they call a give-and-take event where people can swap things they no longer need. And it provides a useful basis for a restart party because, of course, people can then get things checked out, repaired. One very useful aspect is we can safety test devices so that we can assure people that it may look good, but we can tell them if there's something wrong with it, a loose wire incorrectly earthed or some basic electrical fault. So a lot of that went on. Um, I did a couple of interesting repairs. One nice thing, um, a woman who bought a second-hand printer, which, of course, we approve of entirely, um, and it didn't quite work. And based on my experience, I knew that it was simply the mechanism was blocked up with dried-up ink. So we spent a long time cleaning it persistently with various cleaning chemicals and running test pages and so on and so forth. We spent, in between doing other things, about an hour doing that. Wow. And we got it mostly working. She's going to take it home and continue doing that. So that proves that persistence does pay off. In this case, it was a high-value item for this woman because she wants to become a writer. She was using that to print her books. Okay. Wow, that's interesting. And we've seen a lot of those over the years. They're quite messy mm -hmm. printer uh, cleaning jobs. We also see paper shredders that get um, gummed up, and people are some in some way passive and kind of a little bit scared to open it up. And in the end of the day, a repair can sometimes just be a deep clean. So. Indeed, yeah. In this case, it was just a deep clean. Um, and one of the other things I had to do was um, a woman who had a problem logging into her laptop. And similarly, that turned out to be just a deep software clean. Okay. It literally just needed a very standard fix that we needed to go online and research. But again, a problem, if you like, in the same way the printers get messed up with their ink supply, sometimes software gets messed up and you need to do a bit of research, find out about that and fix it. But it is really an easy fix once you know what you're doing. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, we saw some slightly more complex fixes. Um, so we were in the same day, uh, had a restart party down in Tooting. And um, we had um, a woman come in with a replacement screen uh, for her Lenovo laptop. Um, but she actually only bought the glass and not the actual um, the full display assembly. Ah. And so Lenovo is actually quite known for its service manuals and for documenting repairs. So, um, so we got we got stuck in with that repair, and then realized that um, Lenovo was only helping us if we had the whole display assembly. Ouch! Um, so essentially, the woman had to come back the next day. We had an event the next day, and we had to very carefully prize off all of the glass off of the shattered uh, the shattered glass. Um, and after about five hours of hard work, um, we were able to to fit the glass. Um, so that was just a bit of a lesson in. Um, Definitely know exactly what you're in for. You can source a spare part, but you should also, and this goes for us as well, um, watch the whole video or read <laughs> the whole manual before you get started. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and any, any other interesting repairs that you saw or, 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 or broken things that weren't a, you weren't able to repair um, and had to be recycled? No, oddly enough, we didn't. We saw quite a few things, though, that just worked and people thought they didn't work. Um, there was quite a few things that came to the council's give and take event that we just, um, as I said, one of the services we offer is a portable appliance testing or PAT testing as it's known, which for some people is a legal requirement, but also is a very useful thing. Mm. If you've just been given a device or bought a device secondhand and it plugs into the mains, you want to know that it's not going to blow up on you. Yeah, for sure. And, and we have a portable appliance tester that we can plug it into and say, yeah, it basically works. It won't kill you. Yeah, so right. we do that on all of our events. Basically, we test devices as they come in because it can also give us some information about them. And then we definitely test them as they go out. Okay, well, um, thanks for sharing those. Um, we've got a couple of upcoming restart parties for those uh, listening who might want to repair something. Um, on Monday in in. Kentish Town will be um, will be fixing at the Kentish Town Community Centre, which is one of our favourite venues. Um, and I think now may be the time that we uh, we can move on to some discussion about tech news. And I guess, as I said in my opening, we don't we don't focus on shiny shiny on the new things, but every now and again, there's a new product that's actually quite game changing and interesting. So um, last week was the week many people were talking about mobiles, um, but and they were talking about the iPhone 6s. Um, and there were queues in Covent Garden and every possible Apple store. Um, a lot of noise about that. A lot of debate about, I can't even remember, was it the, the, the color? There's a new color. Oh, I mean, yes. I, I just couldn't believe some of the noise about that. But uh, last week also was the launch of the Fairphone 2. Um, and Fairphone's a really interesting project. We've been, we've been in touch with, we've been friends with um, since since almost since the beginning. Um, we met them a couple of years back, and with the first Fairphone, um, they were really great in inviting us to do what's called a teardown, basically like a guided tour of the insides of the phone, and discussing some of the design choices and trade-offs and how repairable the device was. And that was um, really interesting for all who attended. And they also uh, Fairphone published a very very um, honest assessment on our part about um, how it could be improved and what some of the areas to improve were. Um, and so this new device that came a couple of years later does, um, was being launched for the London Design Festival is really, really game-changing. 
Um, do you, uh, I know that uh, Dave Pickering, you, you attended an event with some Fairphone uh, reps. And do you want to tell us what, how it's game changing from the layperson's perspective? Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. I did attend that event and I didn't, I didn't, hadn't, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, it looks like the actual phone doesn't look particularly dissimilar from an iPhone or any other uh, mobile de- smartphone. Um, but how it how it works is so 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 different in that it just comes apart very easily. You can take the back off, you can see everything inside, um, and everything is kind of like uh, modular. So it can you can take out bits from inside and replace them if they're faulty, rather than having to replace the whole phone. It was very it was kind of revolutionary to me. I've never I'm I'm afraid to to even try to take apart my iPhone because you know it, it it's so it's it's just impossible to get inside, um, and it was so different to see inside the phones Uh, the thing that I found was really interesting about it as well is that the the thing that stuck out for me for some reason was that they use blue screws um, to symbolise which the easy things to fix so if you're like me you just you open up the back and you go right everything with a blue screw I can sort out Um, but then uh, the the other the, the actual each each section of of the the Fairphone can come apart again, um, but the the ones that can come apart again, they they haven't got blue blue screws. So that symbolises that someone like Dave Luke's can open <laughs> them up and and yeah. have a rummage and sort them out. Um, and it's sort of I like that mm. it was giving you lots of like it was reaching out to different kinds of users and saying whatever mm. your level of being able to fix things, this is something that you can have a go with. You can get inside and 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 taking the back off is not going to cause any kind of damage at all and you can see how it works yeah it kind of takes us back to i mean in a way it takes us back to those days of the candy bar phone right the dumb phone when you could just you literally just open the back pop the battery out you know where you had access to your sim card where you had some at least some more feeling that the phone was a thing that could could be opened and and changed and um and one of the things i i I just i really liked about it um you know taking a look at it for the first time is um it almost encourages you to, to to go in and have a as you say, have a rummage. Right. <laughs> and I, I think um, that that is really game-changing, that I think it gives us a different uh, relationship, in a sense, with the device. Um, what do you think, Dave Lukes? Well, the first thing I think is I'm going to make Dave P take his iPhone apart one day <laughs> just to overcome that fear. That's well, a very you've important You've already point. done that with my laptop, so, yeah, OK. <laughs> yeah, I think we should do that. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> and we'll go through all the problems of why yeah. it's difficult to take an iPhone apart. But back to the subject at hand... Yeah, one of the things I really liked, I haven't seen seen the device, but if you look around on the web, there are already what you might call exploded diagrams of it. They do a very nice picture. Jenny, you've probably got the URL on the site by now, I hope. Yeah, we'll be sharing an Engadget blog post about it that has yeah. that. It has a beautiful picture of the Fairphone taken apart into its modular components. And it's not the fact that you can that you need to replace any of the components, but you can, and you can see what the parts do. So for me as a technologist, I don't need that, but for other people I think it would be a very refreshing, a very interesting new experience to actually see what's inside a phone. Yeah. Not I'm, to just have this monolithic mass of electronics. What is that? Well, it's a little tiny wire. What does it do? I don't know. Yeah, I really yeah. like that the way like you can see it as as a, as an amateur as as any yeah. any just any any old person you can you can have a sense of of what the main elements of a mobile are and you can really understand more about how they all fit together. One yeah. of the other things um, we see a lot are broken micro USBs, and in many oh. phones, I mean this this is essentially destroys many devices. I think we've talked about this in in previous yeah. um, shows, but so the micro USB. Um, 
port or the charging port is yet another module that can, right. that can I believe users can change right. themselves. Excellent. And that's really cool. Um, the screen as well is um, basically a screwdriverless replacement of a screen. So imagine you smash your screen and you don't have to go to a tech. You order a replacement and literally without a screwdriver you can replace it. So um, that's that's really exciting. Um, uh, Fair, 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 Fairphone made a couple other interesting announcements about um, software, and I, I think we can get really excited about the hardware aspects because they're very tactile and they're, it, it's really different. Um, it's like nothing we've seen. Um, I was wondering if, um, if uh, Dave, you might make a little bit of comment about um, how software is crucial to the longevity of mobiles as well. Yeah, we talked about this briefly last week, but I'll elaborate. Uh, if you imagine your phone is not just a phone anymore, it's a computer. It has software in there. It has an operating system. It has applications. Now, those things are very much dependent on what kind of phone it is, what hardware it runs, and so on. Also, on the other side, sadly, they are very dependent on things like web protocols. So, for instance, recently Google announced that they were going to speed up the World Wide Web by using different protocols for their websites. That, of course, means that you need a better phone. You need an upgrade to your phone software to deal with that. Now, if you don't have control of your phone software, which unfortunately many of us don't, what it means is the web gets upgraded, your phone doesn't get upgraded, your phone slows down. Eventually yeah. it will stop working. It's what we call bit rot. It may not seem like it, but software actually does decay with time. Yeah. Software mm -hmm. ceases to work. This because was an issue yeah. mm -hmm. with the first Fairphone. So there were a lot of people saying, you know, when are we going to get our update? Um, we need our update. Yeah. And um, it was hard for Fairphone for a number of reasons having to do with um, can you explain the proprietary yeah, sure. um, code behind the chipsets? Yeah. And the, it's all quite complicated. Oh, yes. There are many different issues. Web protocols is one aspect. Another one that's famous is video and audio decoding. In other words, you have an MP3 file. Now, to you, that's just sound, right? But actually, it's not. It's a complex sequence of bits of different values. So it's, different, it's a whole set of complicated numbers. It's almost like an encryption code that your phone has to crack in order to play that file or your audio player for that matter. So if you don't have the right software for that, you can't play that audio file, yeah. okay? Now, MP3 is one case in point. You actually need, there's a patent from the Fraunhofer Institute in Germany, which covers MP3 encoding. You can decode them for nothing, but if you want to make your own MP3s, theoretically you need to pay a license fee. Yeah, and if you want to upgrade, if you want to upgrade, um, push out an, up, an an update or an upgrade for mobiles, you need to actually have the proprietary software that goes with the hardware that's inside exactly. the mobile, and that's that's the killer. But um, luckily, Fairphone has made some some developments there and been able to um, been able to finally um, create updates for that. And the other thing is they announced is that they're going to open up the the um, the operating system so that if 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 interest arises in the community. Um, people can create their own, basically their own versions or varieties of the Fairphone OS. Right. Um, so that's quite interesting. Yeah. And for those, especially those people who are interested in privacy and a num number of other issues that aren't addressed by current versions of Android, um, that's potentially of interest. Um, the other thing, um, the other uh, project that caught my attention last week um, I don't believe it's um, – and by the way, Fairphone reached their um, – just to say that Fairphone reached their um, crowd uh, crowdfunding or pre-order goal of 15,000 devices sold. So it will be produced um, in the coming months, and I believe the date that it will be available for consumers will be in um, – 
or people, as we like to call them too, um, in <laughs> December. Thank you. Um, and uh, and it will also be available on a contract uh, via the phone co-op, which is an interesting uh, mobile provider here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another project that caught my attention that's probably not yet um, in manufacturing, mass manufacture stage, but it's called the Runcible. And um, it's, well, it's a... It describes itself as a next-generation mobile phone and wearable tech hybrid inspired by a pocket watch. And um, the founders of this, um, of Monome, the company that's creating Runcible, have described it as an heirloom electronic. And that definitely caught our attention because it's, it's kind of a, it's an enchanting idea that electronics could last much longer, um, and they should, and that they should be almost like... Um, special pieces, special parts of our of our life and even of our wardrobe or style. Um, and just to describe this phone or the the, um, the uh, prototype that we see shared, it's a round device, so it is very much inspired by the uh, pocket watch. It's got a wooden casing. Um, I believe it has a camera in the in the bottom yeah, um, bottom of it. And um, uh, they're, they're saying it will run on Firefox OS. So speaking of this issue of software, they're definitely taking a bold choice there. Um, and they've said that this is very that they've um, that the design of it is, is very much designed with repair in mind and, and disassembly. Um, and again, they don't take a kind of Lego approach, like a Lego modular approach. Um, Fairphone doesn't either. Um, What's your reaction, though? I know you had some critiques, Dave Pickering. Yeah, I mean, well, I, it, I mean, first of all, the, the the positives are it looks very nice. It, it, it you know, style-wise, it would be a stylish thing to have in your hand. <clears throat> I can see the attraction of of this idea of a circular thing that fits your hand. Like they talk about being inspired by by skimming stones, and as well as as well as by uh, pocket watches, and this idea of like yeah. something that's the size of your hand, the shape of your hand, is very appealing. But it's not really exactly a phone, like fully, mm. to my mind. And and one of the problems I have with it is it's the small circular thing that's in my hand. I already find that I'm squinting to look at my phone. Uh, if if you make it smaller, if you make less words on that, I don't think that's going to improve the quality of my engagement with the internet. And it's in terms of engagement with the internet that I really found it kind of like questionable. Some of the stuff that that was written about, certainly in the in the blog blog post that I've read about it in that the, what they're talking about is um, they, they, they at one point they talk about ena- enabling and forcing you to, to have uh, more social interactions so like part of the in- intention of this device is to to do this thing that lots of people like to talk about which is to make you look up and stop looking at your phone and to have conversations with the people who are there in the real world around you yeah. and that critique I find to be quite questionable generally speaking because the social interactions I have aren't necessarily in the real world. I have a lot of very good friends mm. online who I like to interact with. Yeah. When when you see me and my partner sitting looking at our phones, that doesn't mean that we're like sitting there in loneliness. <laughs> like we're there in the room together and okay. we're both relating to what we're seeing. So I, I don't really like the idea of, of it trying to push me into okay. whatever social social interactions it thinks that I should have. Yeah, like no, I, I'd I like it to fit mean. my social interactions with what I want to do. I don't mind people 
uh, not wanting to to be online in the way that I am. But I don't like it when people say the way yeah. that you're online is da- dangerous to society <laughs> yeah, uh, no, and that I, sort of a thing. I know what you mean. I mean, I, I the, for example, I think the default for this device will be you know no push notifications. And the fact is, um, you can choose right now to disable your push, push notifications. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't actually need to be the device itself. It's more in ourselves. We decide how we interact with the world and it's not so much a device that will I mean a device can potentially reinforce some of that, but I think um, I think you're right in that critique. I I don't know. I, I feel um sympathetic to the Runcible, this idea sure. of a of a of an heirloom piece and um you know, I, I, I guess I'm nostalgic about the days of the dumb phone as well, when a phone was a phone. You know, and, and I, there are a couple of projects that, that seem to be pushing in this direction of, of, um, of kind of separating telephony from the smart functions. Um, I mean, even the, I'd, can you talk into your smart watch? No, the whole point is that it somehow separates some of the, the notification and data functions from the voice um, True, from yeah. the voice part of the phone. And we also saw at the London Design Festival um, a very expensive dumb phone <laughs> um, mm. produced by a, a notable designer. Um, and it, it doesn't let you do anything but telephone. And their their notion is that you should, um, that you might have a smartphone nearby, but that you would basically shut it off in certain points and only use the dumb phone. Um, so I think there's a lot of people working on this issue of, of mindful uh, telephony and and then use of the internet. Um, I, I very much I'm sympathetic to the to the idea or to what they're doing at Runcible uh, with with this Runcible device, because I just I hear so few visionary um, uh, companies and, and designers and engineers talking along these terms. Um, another thing that's quite intriguing to me is while these guys are based in San Francisco, I went to look to see where some of the support for this uh, investment for this project came from, and I learned that it was uh, from an innovation fund based in Japan. And that really had me thinking because, you know, we've talked about, um, well, in past we've talked about Google's project to create the modular mobile, which is called Project Ara. And they've run into a number of um, hurdles. There have been a number of delays with that project. Um, and they're mostly related to the, the, some of the choices they've made, engineering choices. But it, it has you pause and think, well, why is it that... Um, that Silicon Valley, with all of its power to invest and to and to and to innovate, has it has in both of the instances we've talked about, has been um, almost one-upped by projects funded by Japan, and uh, Fairphone is largely, I believe, um, has got a lot of investment from Holland, where they're based. Yeah. Um, I, any thoughts on that, Dave Lukes? Why can why is Silicon Valley um, so slow to actually provide some of these visionary alternatives? Good point. I. To be honest, given the amount of expertise, the the number of people, pure number of people involved in Silicon Valley, you, it seems a no-brainer, doesn't it, that they should come up with something revolutionary before everybody else. Personally, I think it's there's a little bit of rabbit in the headlights. You know, they're all just staring ahead. For instance, one of the things we talked about on the way here was the fact that um, one commentator has talked about the fact that all phones are now the same. Mm. It's just a race to the bottom. They, yeah, that was actually yeah, yeah, that was a piece that was in the uh, the next web, um, that has the <laughs> the interesting headline. Uh, the, um, oh dear, it's um, 
just lost it here. Um, that b- basically, uh, the phone wars are over, and smartphones are finally just boring slabs. And exactly. the, the, the argument yeah. was that essentially the iPhone and its uh, Android competition, basically the Samsung competition, are more or less the same in, in mm. almost every, in all of its yeah. performance-wise. Exactly, yeah. It's a race to the bottom. It may seem like a race to the top, but actually they're pursuing these tiny differences. Oh, yeah, it's got a 0.1 of a gigahertz faster processor. Wow. You know, when they're all perfectly good at doing what they do anyway, so it really makes no difference what yeah. minuscule changes. This um, this post was arguing also that even cameras, cameras used yeah. to be the thing where, you you know, there was a real difference. Oh, yeah. Even that, apparently they've been converging on camera yeah. quality. Yeah. And one thing about um, the Runcible... It may seem trivial that it has a circular shape. It may seem like that's a kind of a design thing. But if you think about the mechanics of that, it makes mm. it slightly more robust. Mm. Because when you drop a phone, where does it land? It lands on a corner and it shatters because right. that's a pressure point. Right? Yeah. It's much more analogous to something like an egg. Why is an egg the shape it is? Because it is more durable. Yeah, I mean, right. making phones that bounce would be great. Like oh, yeah, I'm that it doesn't actually it. shatter would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And Especially possi- for people with young children. Right, <laughs> totally. Yeah. But also, if you think about it, for instance, you slip that around thing into your pocket, it just fits a lot better. There's a reason why watches are that shape, and it's not just because of the mechanism. It's actually a good shape. They could have made square watches with, you know, round dials on them. They didn't. Yeah. yeah why I is mean, that? Well, because it's, con- it's really nice. I think that was one of the big critiques of all the smartwatches that came out. It's it's like that was an opportunity to do something really different and mm. really change the form factor. And yet they just pretty much look like, you know, watches, watches that we've always seen. And um, I think that's one of my critiques generally of, of what I see coming out of Silicon Valley in terms of wearables is that people aren't really thinking outside of the yeah. box, as it were. And it's really cool to see these two projects where um, where you have designers and engineers who are really, they're going to manufacturers, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to, they're going to China, they're having these tough conversations with like, yes, we're willing to spend more. Yes, yeah. we really want more screws, not less screws. I mean, yeah. these are, you know, manufacturing companies in China are not hearing this from anyone. They're used to hearing cut costs, you know, we want this, we want it on this deadline. They're not used to having an, an actual conversation with designers and engineers. So both of those projects are interesting for that reason. Um, well, hopefully we'll have more time to talk about these topics in future. Um, as I said, we don't always talk about shiny, shiny new things, but when there's something compelling that comes along, um, we can't help ourselves. Um, uh, make a couple of announcements. Um, currently, um, my co-founder of the Restart Project, Ugo, is on his way to the Weathering Bites Festival in Hebden Bridge, and um, the Restart Project will be there tomorrow and Thursday. If you have any friends up there, um, let them know. This is a really sounds like a really great festival. Um, as I said earlier, we'll be having a restart party in Kentish Town on Monday evening at the Kentish Town Community Center. There's details on our website, therestartproject.org. And as always, you can find us on Twitter, at the Restart Project or Facebook. And um, we have a number of events at the end of the month um, related to making and maker spaces. So um, definitely check those out if you're a maker and you'd like to talk about um, the future of making and repairing. Um, we'll, we're here every Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. on Resonance 104.4 FM. And um, we'd love it if you'd tell your friends about this broadcast and uh, share it online as well. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening.